The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Thank you, as always, for joining us here on the Paul Leslie Hour. If you would like to help me in my mission, and that mission is to get 16 years worth of interviews, some of them are on CDs, some of them are on drives, they're all there. 16 years worth. I'm trying to get them out there into the world, all the while doing new interviews. You can help me. Just go to patreon.com slash the Paul Leslie Hour. This interview was recorded backstage in Atlanta, Georgia with Bill Payne. This was around the year 2008. This was the seventh installment in a radio series that was produced and broadcast about the band Little Feet. I interviewed all of the members of the band at that time. It was a very interesting experience. This grand finale interview was with founding member Bill Payne. He's considered to be one of the greatest rock and roll pianists around, and the number of artists he has worked with is astounding. Toto, Linda Ronstadt, Jackson Brown, James Taylor, the list goes on. Many of you have heard him as a guest musician with Jimmy Buffett's Coral Reefer Band, who he has also recorded with. In this interview, we not only talk about the 2008 Little Feet album entitled Join the Band, but also his solo recording, Cielo Norte, which I very much recommend. I hope you enjoy this interview with a very pensive and intelligent man. I found Bill Payne very inspiring, and what a fitting conclusion to a fascinating series of interviews on one of America's greatest rock bands, Little Feet. Thanks for doing this, too. It's a, Thank you. My, my pleasure, man. It's a real honor to be speaking today with the legendary Mr. Bill Payne. So first of all, thank you so much for making the time to do this. Thank you, Paul. And uh, any any friends of Peter Mayer and uh, the Buffett camp are friends of mine. So there you go. <laughs> Mr. Payne, when you were growing up, what musicians and bands made you want to be a musician yourself? Well, I'd start off with Elvis, I guess. Uh, whether he wanted me to be in a band or not, or be a musician, I I was already playing piano when I was five. You know, that kind of energy was pretty amazing. Bill Haley and the Comets and that. Then it, it kind of moved. I mean, Little Richard's another one you got to you got to mention. Later on, Rolling Stones, Keith Richards in particular. His guitar playing's been as much of an influence on my keyboards as anything. Lastly, with without encompassing everything that you you need to in something like this. Ray Charles, certainly, uh, Fats Domino, et cetera, so on. So that New Orleans type thing and, and the blues. Hey, Danny. We're doing this interview here. Hey. This is Paul. Hey, nice to meet you. Yeah, thanks for calling. I just wanted to call you when I thought you were serious. Enjoy it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was Mr. Denny Jones. Yeah. <laughs> You were born in Texas, as you mentioned before the interview, and I was wondering what initially brought you out to Los Angeles. Well, I was born in Texas, in Waco to be exact, or Waco as I call it. We're in a little town called Moody, Texas, where as growing up, we'd go from California back to Texas to visit the relatives in Haskell and Abilene and in, uh, in Moody. So Moody's just probably 80 miles north of Austin. 
So it's in the start of the hill country up there. It's just below Waco, I believe. But I was out in California, age two, crawled out there. My parents quickly followed, and uh, we took it from there. But uh, I lived in Ventura, California for good many of my formative years and up to Santa Maria, California for high school. And what brought me to Los Angeles specifically was Frank Zappa, listening to his uh, record, uh, Uncle Meat. And I saw there was a guy named Lowell George on there. And I made a couple calls, one to, well, actually many calls to the same label, but Frank had two labels. One was Bizarre, the other was Straight. I called Bizarre Records, and I went down and uh, was introduced through through that label to uh, to Lowell following a tour that Frank was doing just before, actually it was right before Frank was going over to Europe. I later got a chance to, to meet and talk with Frank Zappa as well, which was a, a true honor. Uh, but I really wasn't cut out to be in his kind of band, and, and thankfully I was for Lowell. So that was, that's how those feet kind of got together. What was your impression of the late Frank Zappa, both professionally and, and just personally? I was into his earlier stuff, so the, the, the recordings he did – Later, uh, I wasn't, to be honest with you, as dialed into as a lot of people are. Obviously, I mean, the, the guy was a, a terrific musician, an interesting writer. Some of it, for my taste, was a little uh, set to a younger crowd, sort of a naive crowd, a little childish in certain, in certain ways. But, but the guy was a deep, deep musician. And the guys he played with later, and there are people that, that revere Frank, and I'm sure for, for good reasons, but... I'm just being honest and saying that I wasn't. I, I loved Uncle Meat for the humor, the, the music, and how difficult or I thought it would be difficult to play, but I thought I might be able to do it. But I just wasn't cut out for it. And really, when I started to dive in with what Lowell was doing and, and listening to other things, my it's not like my taste changed. I came into Little Feet with very eclectic taste to begin with. I was more geared toward the, the band with Robbie Robertson and. Uh, particularly with LeVon Helm and those guys, and certainly with Dylan than I was with Frank Zapp at that point. And what was your impression of the late Lowell George when you met him? Well, what can you say about Lowell? I mean, he encompasses mentor uh, for me. Um, he was hell to deal with on, on certain levels, and he was absolutely brilliant on others. So it, it covers a, a wide range of there's – a, there's a great book called Garcia about the Grateful Dead, but primarily about Jerry. And when you look at Garcia's life, although he and Lowell didn't lead the same life, they had the same personalities in the sense that they they were magnets to to bringing in good people and, and were could talk about any subject. But they had many, many demons they were dealing with that eventually brought them down. Um, but Jerry would disappear for days and weeks at a time. People go, what the hell is he? And, that was the same thing was happening with Lowell. Uh, so there are, and I'm sure with John Belushi, there, there had to be similar things going on. But that's another psychological profile for, for a certain type of artist. But I miss Lowell. I, well, I don't miss the drama that we used to go through. Some of that had a lot to do with how old we were and the times that we were living in, type of drugs people were taking and all the normal things that pull people apart and bring them together. So. I'm really glad I met the guy. I mean, obviously, he was a huge influence uh, on this band, but it is a band, so that's why we can still go out and call ourselves Little Feet.
That's, which is sort of another subject, to be honest with you. This was a question we had about about the Jackson Brown album uh, that the old album that he had mm-hmm. done, where he had paid kind of a memorial, kind of a tribute to 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 Lowell, yeah. to Lowell. and you played on that album, correct? I did. Um, that song was about. It was actually, uh, if it's the one I'm thinking about, it was a, a song for Lowell's daughter, Inara George. And Inara, yeah, and Inara is a, a great artist in her own right right now. She's with a group called, like I think it's called the Butterfly and the Bee or something. I, mean, I don't even know what the hell it is, but it, she's, she's in a group. So if you guys get a chance to research what she's doing, uh, uh, she's an amazing singer. She's also on this, this record we're putting out oh, okay. next year. Given your insider's look at Little Feet and having been with the band since the formative years all the way to now, for you, for whatever reason, what would you say your favorite record of Little Feet would be? I don't really have one, but there's two I can point to. Certainly one of them is Waiting for Columbus. I mean, that's a great album. I mean, just, and then the other one is Hoy Hoy. I'm talking about the old stuff. So if people wanted to get an introduction to what say they joined us like in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, early part of 2000, they're going, what's what's a little, what would I listen to if I didn't know what Little Feet was about in the old days? I would point them to those two albums. They're both double albums, I believe. With with the, the newer stuff, on Hot Tomato Records, there's a, there's a couple of recordings. They go to the catalog, there's, there's two double albums, Green Tomatoes, there's Ripe and Raw Tomatoes, that's what, what they're called. Those are really good. They they give you a history of the band from the very get go, and uh, they take you through a lot of stuff. It's pretty cool stuff. Little Feet's been called by so many people a musicians' band. Mm-hmm. So many different people throughout history that have been legendary musicians have said that their favorite band or one of their favorite bands was Little Feet. Yeah. And I was wondering, for for example, Led Zeppelin, The Rolling Stones. Why do you think that is? Jimmy Buffett, I, I read an interview he did, and they said, what's your favorite band? And he said, Little Feet. Well, I think there's a purity to, to Little Feet. I mean, it wasn't driven by hit records, that's for sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we tried to write a few, but it never, never happened. Having a pure experience like that, I guess if you were to distill that even further, it, it, it all boils down to integrity and honesty. So it's just some honest guys, and in this case, a girl is with us, with Sean Murphy now. We just get up there and we we do what we do. We we we're we are musicians. We're not pop stars. We're not dressing to to fit a certain way. I, I'm going to wear the same shirt that I put on the, uh, when I woke up. You know, I, I don't jump into a stage outfit. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. I wear a a lovely Hawaiian shirt or two working with Mr. Buffett, but it's. Um, it's not necessary. I mean, you go up there and let the, the music do the talking. Peter Mayer, we were talking about earlier, he is a musician. He happens to be a great-looking guy, too. He could be a pop star. But this is, this is a fellow that is dedicated to what he does, which is playing music, writing music. It's in every pore of his body. And, and uh, I like to think that that's, that's what Little Feet has going for it as well. I read where Sir Elton John said that you were one of his favorite piano players. So I was wondering out there, who do you think are some of the best of their kind at the piano or other keyboard instruments? Admittedly, I'm not 
well versed in, in what's going on now with regards to, to new keyboard players. So I can only point at the past, you know, whether it's Glenn Gould on, uh, you know, with, with the Bach recordings or Alicia, uh, Alicia de la Rocha, who did lots of Mozart recordings and uh, on the classical side of things. Some Granados recordings, too, that were brilliant. Uh, on the rock and roll side, I mean, there's, uh, there's a Johnny Johnson who played with, uh, you know, Chuck Berry. Otis Spann on the jazz side, you got Bill Evans. I mean, the best of the best. I mean, that's all I, I remember listening to, if not growing up, at least. I'm still growing up, I guess, because I still am, am introduced to things and people as, as we go through the process. I know there'll be some some new guy that, it's like trying to. It's like going into a store when you've just eaten. Go, what am I going to take home for dinner? You know, I mean, I, a guy that's dialed in necessarily to that kind of thing. But boy, there, Jimmy Smith was a great uh, organist, for example. Jack McGriff. But again, these are guys that have been around for a while. So the the newer players, I know there's some great guys out there right now, but I I, I wouldn't know their names. But I've heard stuff that I went, wow, what was that? And people go, oh, that was so and so. And I go. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, got it. And then move on. One of the cats that plays with leftover salmon, Bill McKay. Uh, string cheese incident. Boy, he's gonna kill me because I can't think of his name right now. But anyway, the guy from String Cheese. There's some just there's some wonderful players out there. I was reading about your solo album, and it's an album that we've played on our our programs, Yellow Norte. Mm-hmm. And you had said that it takes a certain type of person to enjoy an instrumental album or to listen to instrumental music. So I was wondering, with your solo album, what audience did you have in mind? Well, I didn't really have an audience in mind, per se. But, you know, people that that will occasionally read poetry or that can listen to a 20-minute recording without fidgeting their way uh, into turning on the TV or, you know, that kind of people, people that are, are... introspective and reflective of things they're going to enjoy that record a lot more along the lines of listening now if you're vacuuming a floor or cutting up potatoes for dinner or whatever the heck you do where if you had an ipod on you could listen to that record or any instrumental music and use it as uh, window dressing I, I had some interesting comments on that record oh it's too long it's just it, it goes on too long with this sort of thing and other people goes, man, I was so engrossed in listening to that, I actually drove past my exit. <laughs> well, those are the people I was going for. I wasn't trying to make a, an album that everybody would go, it's this or that or one way or that, or that they would all like it. I mean, I'd love to make an album that 10 billion people would buy, but that wasn't the point of the exercise. The point was to get people as close to who I am within that record, uh, including some of the sounds that were a little archaic, I said, well, fine, listen to a Bill Evans record and tell me that piano sounds dead nuts in tune. It doesn't. But what did he play? So we're so locked in these days to what did something sell. Uh, We're on a little different subject here, but that pop mentality or what did a film gross as if that makes it a great film? I don't think it does. I think it can. Uh, I've seen plenty of blockbusters that I like and have read blockbusters that I've loved that sold millions of books. But I've read some books that hardly anybody's heard of and thought they were everybody's good too. So this is just this experience that for those that caught on to it, I was very glad they listened to it. And for those that didn't get it, I wasn't angry about it at all. So, well, maybe something else is your cup of tea, and that's that's okay. Different strokes. Yeah. 
with all the events that have made up the Little Feet history, is there any event in particular that has been your fondest memory? Paul, to, to be honest with you, I, I, it's a, a very, very, very good question, and and one that I, I, I just can't answer right now. I mean, there are so many memorable moments. I'll, I'll, I'll lay one on you. It has nothing. I mean, it, it had to do with our band, obviously. At least I think it was our band. Yeah, it was, because Scotty, our, our keyboard guy, was there. My son, Evan, was two years old. He's 25 now. We were downstairs in, in Santa Barbara, twirling around by his heels, you know, that kind of thing you do with kids. And and there were other children there, and, and it was just this great feeling of you now that we had this this scene going on. I'd like to take a look at this this whole thing. I just wrote I wrote something about our truck driver that once we get our, our website up and running, I'm going to do some profiles on some of the people we have in our crew, for example. Uh, I wrote for a Japanese magazine called Player three or four years ago, and I wrote for about three and a half years for those folks. So that, for me, is, I mean, I love doing interviews and talking, but when, when you're in the act of writing, you can not, not only really reflect on what it is you want to say, choose the right words, but you can also do a little uh, research. I did three articles on what my influences were. And I brought in Barry Lopez, who says that He's an environmental writer, for example. He wrote a book called Arctic Dreams. He talks about we're products of where we were born. So I was born in the hill country of Texas, raised in the, in the hills, literally in California, in Ventura. And what that did to my growth, I mean, as a player, I, I play very cinematic type stuff. Well, I lived in a house up on a hill, and I was able to look out at Ventura, the Channel Islands, the Pacific Ocean, the weather patterns coming in each day, sunsets, all that. And I'd go back to the piano and try and replicate some of that that I would see. And it had a, a huge thing to do with my imagination. Uh, I'm a photographer now. I've got uh, four pieces out in uh, West Yellowstone Gallery, uh, which is in Gardner, Montana. There's a little place up in Chassel called the Einerlei with an E. I've got six pieces there. Uh, they want another eight up in Livingston next summer when I come back out in Montana. So I'm branching into photography, and they're all kind of a very similar vision as an artist. It's just an extension, so the writing's an extension, as is the photography, as is the music. What do you think it is that has kept Little Feet going for so many years? Well, I think, very simply, it's the love of what we play. I mean, we, we can't play this kind of music. We'd have to be in six to ten different bands to, to play the different styles we do. I can tell you from bouncing back and forth between Little Feet and, uh, and Jimmy, that's a full schedule right there. So to, you wouldn't be able to do it, in other words. Um, I was talking to Dave Danheiser, who used to work for Warners, and lovely, lovely guy. We were talking about the fact that you couldn't do what we did with Little Feet nowadays. It just couldn't be done. The label structure is not there anymore. But what these kids have to look forward to is something else. There are different delivery systems available. You guys have got an online uh, a radio station, which nobody would have dreamed of 10, 15 years ago, certainly. Things are changing. The times are changing, as Dylan would say. And for those people that change with it, which these kids will, they're, 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 they're a part of it. They don't have to change. They are it. <laughs> and we're uh, people my age uh, and, and, and Buffett's age. We're inquisitive people, as are these kids. And as long as you, you have that, the ability to be inquisitive, it takes you down a lot of roads. 
And I think that gives us an excellent point to bring us to the last question you had just mentioned about how now we have all these avenues where if you have a message like Little Feet does, you can spread that message. You know, even though we're li- we're working under a different machine, mm-hmm. we have all these new technologies available. So my last question would be that given that this broadcast is going out all over the world and Little Feet has following all over the world, what would you, Mr. Bill Payne, like to say to the world? Well, look, I'd like to say let's keep our creative options always open from the standpoint of what we write, what's important to us, what binds us together as opposed to what, what separates us as, as human beings. We've got a lot of common ground we can, we can react to. The world's in a pretty bad place right now, but it's not the first time uh, we've been there. It's not going to be the last. Uh, the humanities are named such for a good reason. And the arts aren't always used for good uh, and, and humanistic uh, values. We don't always have that. I just My, my plea is for uh, the normal stuff that most people want, peace and understanding. But it's, it's deeper than that. It's, it's recognition of, of the importance of a family and an extended family. Tolerance is, is something we, you, you have to, to absorb and, and, and grow with. It doesn't happen overnight. But there's plenty of, plenty of avenues through listening to music and, and viewing art and, and reading good books and, and keeping an open mind and being inquisitive. Those are the things we can have common ground on, even if we disagree on things. But, but the more we understand about each other and our cultures and our, and our very human needs, we're going to find out that we have a lot more in common than not. Well, Mr. Payne, thank you so much for this interview. It was, it Thanks, was very Bob. interesting. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you both. Goodbye.